welcome back for episode 24 of Focus Fire Chat and episode 2 of our Extra Lore series recorded live on March 30th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. A big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have a man who has found his calling in humorous storytelling, Justin Sane0516. hey We also have tricked Mel, known to many as Wind of the Stars, into returning <laughs> to discuss tonight's topic. Welcome back, Mel. Hi, guys. I must really like you if I'm, I'm back for more punishment, right? Yay! <laughs> Is this like running the hard hard mode, like again, on... Um, on Destiny? Oh wait, we're not talking about is, Destiny tonight. My is bad. it that okay. much? Is it that much of a beating? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> the topic of today's chat is going to be a discussion on the basic storyline of the Elder Scroll games. Before we get into that, however, I do want to just run through some quick notes. <laughs> our last chat covered the Weapons of Sorrow. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please also give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Next week's chat is going to be a discussion about the Black Garden from within Destiny. With that, let's go ahead and dive into the lore of the Elder Scrolls universe. So what we what we mostly covered in chat was pretty much just a basic covering of the timeline. We didn't we didn't really get into any specific details until really um, until the later game, which is Skyrim. Uh, we got a little bit into some of the Oblivion stuff because that's when most of us as console, most of us are console gamers, so that's pretty much what a lot of us were exposed to was especially Skyrim and then some Oblivion for the 360. And so what we'll, we'll, we'll figure we'll do is we'll run through a very quick overview of the geography that is in the Elder Scrolls and then a very, very, very brief touch on the timeline with a little bit more emphasis on the later areas of the timeline, the later years, which is when the latest games came out or the latest main games came out. Um, we'll try to, we'll try to put into perspective also where most of the games that many people are familiar with, which is basically the, the main games. And then also elder scrolls online, which actually is not a Bethesda game. It has Bethesda's name, but they're not actually, it's not considered a main title. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the placement of those games within there. And then we're also going to talk about, you know, with the obvious as an RPG, there's some playable playable races. And we, we might get into a little bit of conversation on a couple of those because I know one of us has a particular favorite. So, mm-hmm. hey, yay. <laughs> so just real quick, um, basic geography. So the, the thing to remember about Elder Scrolls is that it's not just a physical reality it's also a supernatural reality and there are three main what's what they identify as realms and those three are Ethereus, oblivion and mundus now the game that you play takes predominant predominantly takes place on mundus 
And that is gen- what that translates into is the mortal realm. And where that where that takes place is on a planet called Nern. Nern is basically the Earth of Mundus. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that each of these... So in Mundus, there are things called planes or spheres. Each of, the, each of those spheres are associated with a planet. And there's, there's a couple of them, but we're going to focus on Nern because that's where the entire game world is focused on. Um, now on Nern, there are also a number of continents and a number of bodies of basically continents and these all kind of just roll into i mean predominantly the game that we all experience with skyrim and oblivion and morrowind which are the three main ones that many people know take place on the continent of tamriel and they're in different provinces but it's mostly on tamriel however it is good to know the other areas on nern and those other areas are akavir and I'm just going to run through the names. There's, it's not. There's not a lot known about most of these places. Um, so Akavir, in the na- the main thing to know about Akavir is that this is supposedly the home of the dragons. So this is where dragons um, came from, as well as a number of what is identified as the beast races. The um, the next one is Aldmeris, Aldmeris, and. The important thing about Altmeris is that we know next to nothing in game lore terms. The uh, Altmer, which is a race that we'll get into a little bit later, say that this was the birthplace of both elves and mankind, but we don't even in the game know if this land even still exists. It could be destroyed or gone. And so that, there's that one. And then we have Atmora, which is, we know that it's a barren and freezing wasteland, and it is... The extreme cold that caused the water of the Sea of Ghosts, which basically borders Tamriel and Atmara to become a, a basically a field of ice. And so this is the more northern areas. And then there's a giant body of water that covers most of the continent or most of the planet called the Patamaic Ocean. Now, this is the ocean that separates all these continents. And so there, there's a little bit of exposure to that as within the game. Then we have the continent of Pyandonia, and this one is an island continent that is located actually to the southwest of Tamriel. Now, remember, remember, we're, we're kind of centering on Tamriel, so it's the southwest of Tamriel, and this is the I, this is the home of um, a race of sea elves, and which we'll again we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Tamriel, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, is the main focus. But then we also have Thrace, which is also known as the Coral Kingdom. And we know that this, there's a race called the Slowed. Again, get into this, the races a little bit, but the Slowed may be from here. And then there's the last one that we know about is the Yo, it's Yokuda. And again, not much is known about Yokuda since it was this one actually we do know it was nearly obliterated in a cataclysmic event but it also is supposedly the original home to the race of humans called the red guards which is one of the 10 playable races in elder scroll now we're going to go back up to tamriel tamriel is is it's a very very interesting continent geographically it has mountains tundras cold deserts hot deserts swampy regions grasslands tropical rainforest and even arguably a very large volcano 
and the diversity of these biomes is very very unique obviously and and they're they're bordered i mean they're kind of smashed all into in together so it it's very very confusing at times the um the altmer which is an elven race call this continent dawn's beauty and there's an also an archipelago of islands mm-hmm. called the somerset isles which is the home of the high elves which are the altmer and then this this was this became their home after they abandoned their original homeland, which was the that Aldermas continent that we just talked about. Now, <clears throat> the thing about Tamriel is politically, this place is pretty pretty diverse. Um, anyone who's played any of the Elder Scroll games knows that political intrigue is almost as big of a deal as the actual martial. P- aspect of the rpg um you especially in the later games you can choose whether or not to join guilds you can choose which factions to support um you can choose political alliances to promote and you know other ones to attack it just depends on which way your character you know you want to go and these political factions and political guilds all stem primarily around the separation of what's called provinces. Now, provinces are pretty much tied to geographical differences within the continent. Now, this continent is pretty massive. Um, And just to run through, again, just real quick run through. We have the Black Marshes, which is mostly in the southeastern tip. So this is a very southern point. And it's basically swamps and thick brush. There's, There's not a a lot there that's not very swampy. Then you have the main continent or the main providence, which is called Cyrodiil. Cyrodiil is basically the center of Tamriel, and this is it's it's the basis of a lot of the games. So there is a lot known about Cyrodiil, and a lot happens in Cyrodiil, especially you know later in the timeline. This is where a lot of the story within the main games takes place. After Cyrodiil, we will talk about Elsewhere, which is a more northern province. We don't know much about Elsewhere other than the fact that it is the home of the Khajiit, which are the cat people, which is another one of the playable races. And then we come to Hammerfell, which Hammerfell actually is very interesting, especially later in the in the timeline as well as it is the setting for Daggerfall which was the second Elder Scrolls game. And so there this is a very uh air, like a very desert like province. It's it's the home of the Red Guards. And then we come to High Rock which is the home to the Britons and the Orcs which are also called the Orsimer. And this this is actually a providence that's divided into multiple uh, city states and minor kingdoms. It's a it's a temperate close coastal region, and it is also the setting of the third game in the Elder Scrolls series, which is called Daggerfall. Uh, so that is High Rock, and then we come to Morrowind, which most of us will probably recognize that name. The uh, the third game of the Elder Scrolls is actually Morrowind. And there is there's a, a city or an area in there called Soltsium, which is the setting for Morrowind, Morrowind, as well as the two add-ons, which are Blood Moon and Dragon... Or, uh, Blood Moon and uh, Tribunal, sorry. Blanked on that one. This, this province is... 
in the northeast corner. So this is, you know, again, Cyrodiil is in the middle. All these things ring around it. After Morrowind, we have Skyrim, which many, many console players and most people who are into Elder Scrolls will recognize because this is the most recent uh, main title that has been released, Elder Scrolls V. And like I said, when we get into timeline, these some of these continents, some of these provinces are going to become very, very important to remember. So then we come to Somerset Isles, which is the those little islands that are located in what's called the Elthric Ocean. I have, I'm not really, I don't really remember most of the Somerset because they don't. There's not a lot of them in the games, other than the fact that they are the home to the Altmer. And then finally, we have Valenwood. And Valenwood is another southern, it's a southwestern region of Tamriel. And this is pretty much the home to the Bosmer, which are also known as the Wood Elves. So, again, sorry, we ran ran through those really fast. And the reason why is, you know, just to kind of give you a sense of just how enormous this game world is. It's, it's a massive game world. Um, it, you know, put it in perspective of you know the other game that we all talk about destiny elder scrolls has an extremely established lore and the other thing to keep in mind is that you know destiny has a big timeline elder scrolls has an enormous timeline similar to halo it's got such a large timeline that we actually have it segregated into different eras and we'll we'll talk on those in just a second. The other two realms that I do want to touch on just real quick are Aetherius and Oblivion. Now these are important, especially Oblivion, because Oblivion is actually another realm that as players we're able to interact with. This is kind of a spiritual realm to the physical realm of Mundus. Oblivion is the home of entities known as the Daedric Princes. We know 16 of the Daedric Princes. Uh, supposing there, there potentially could be more, but we know of 16 from the game. And we can... Do you, I mean, do you guys want to run through those or feel like I might be bludgeoning people? No, no. I'm, this is good stuff. We can, we can run through it. I feel like the Daedric Princes are kind of important because you do interact a lot with them in the game. Um, and you do get a lot of actual lore interacting with them. Like my, my one of my favorite interactions is with Sheogora. So yes, anything, anytime we talk, anytime we talk about him, I get really excited. So yeah, Sheogora is a fun one. Um, <laughs> I mean, so real. Okay, so real fast, the sixteen known Daedric princes, and this is just going to be alphabetical. So no, no emphasis on anybody, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of these names. So first we have Azura, and then we have Boat. Okay, so each of these Daedra princes, you have to... Let me take a step back. Daedra, and let's explain Daedra. Let me pull this up real fast. Daedra, as opposed to Aedra, are two variations of supernatural entities that are interacting with Mundus. Um, Aedra is a word that means our ancestors. And so these are the the best way to the best way to separate these are Adra create. They create realms, they create things and they create they created Mundus. However, as part of that process, they lost a lot of their divine power. And 
they became tied to Mundus in a way that if they leave or if they stop interacting or stop creating, they actually will pass. They will actually, you know, die. <clears throat> and one of one of the cases of that is uh, an Aedra called Lorcan, which we'll touch we'll touch briefly on in the timeline concept. But Lorcan actually is a very important Aedra in that he actually tricked the others into creating Mundus. And then he gave himself up, and his body actually became, supposedly his body became Nern. Now, Adra also, the reason that they're called our ancestors is because there is a sect, a, a segment of Adra that actually became Mer and Man. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where the the topic or the the concept of our ancestor comes from. Daedra, on the other hand, Daedra change. They change things. They don't create. They take what's already been created and they manipulate it and change it. So when Daedra become so technically Daedra are less powerful than Aedra, but within the realm of the games that we experience, they are actually sometimes more powerful because unlike the Aedra who have sacrificed themselves to create this world, Daedra didn't sacrifice anything. They just are manipulators of the environment that they are already in. So that's why the Daedra tend to be more prevalent in the games than the Aedra. Now you'll still have mentions of the Aedra, like the divine nine or the nine divines and, you know, in the Imperial religion and stuff like that. There, there are still references and they're still, they are still present enough to bless particular individuals, but Daedra will actually manifest and will actually go to war with the physical realms. And the most powerful of these Daedra are entities that we know as Daedric princes. And the prince defin- the prince title um, is not indicative of a gender. Daedra can appear either male or female. Actually, some of them will appear as both throughout the same game. Um, now they do predominantly tend to appear one or the other, but they they do have the ability to shift because they're not bound by physical laws. So the thing to keep in mind about Daedric princes is that each of these Daedric princes hold a uh, uh, it's a patronage basically over a physical, a philosophical, or metaphysical concept or state of being, which are called spheres of power. So these are basically the the pantheon of minor godlings to the Aedra's gods. And then each of these Daedric princesses within Oblivion, which is their home realm, they each have their own what's called plane or realm within there. Like I said, we know 16 of them. And those are Azura, Bothia, Clavicus Vile, Hermias of Mora, Hercene, Jigalag, which is also also known as some will know him as Shagoroth, Malakath, Merun's Dagon, Mephala, Meridia, Molagbal, Namera, Nocturnal, Periite, Sanguine, and then finally Varminia. The cool thing about the Daedric Princes is that within the games, especially within Oblivion and Skyrim, 
you can actually, like I said, remember these these princes will actually manifest in in uh, Tamriel, and you can actually appease, or you can actually, you know, try to appease them, and they will give you what's basically a weapon of power that is that is associated with their name and then their you know particular sphere of power. So depending on, and as an RPG, you know, you can make your character build to whatever. Some people prefer stealth. Some people prefer, you know, the blunt fighter. Some people prefer magic. Each of these things has their own area of emphasis and you can build out your equipment just same as you can build in any of these RPGs. You can build out your equipment to augment those, those interests. So basically you pick the Daedric Prince that you want, that you know that you know, let's say um, Nocturnal. Nocturnal is the one I'm familiar with because I always play a, a more stealth type character. Nocturnal is basically the stealth goddess. And so what she does is she has weapons and equipment that augment that ability. Shagorath is basically the god of, the god of chaos, compo- or opposed to Jigalags, which is the god of unnatural order. And so it, Shigoroth has the jabber hockey, if I remember correctly. And mm-hmm. that's a weapon that <clears throat> is amazingly chaotic. I, if I remember in this in Skyrim or in Oblivion, jabber hockey was a wand or a staff that you could hit people and it would randomly transform them into something, which could range from anything. I mean, anything. It could be a rat or it could be a dragon. Jeez. Cheese. Cheese. Oh, yeah, that's right. It did. It did actually include <laughs> inanimate objects wow. too. Yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that it included inanimate. Yeah, so it was kind of a role. Like it was. It was like I'm hoping you're not going to be a. I hope you're not going to be a very very big so, guy. So is the Destiny mm-hmm. sidearm? Is that a nod to the? No, it's the, it's more of a nod to the poem, which is the same as this one, the Jabberwocky. Like Jabberwocky. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Just let me let me just real quick kind of yep. clarify for myself. Oblivion isn't so much another place as it is another plane of existence, correct? Correct. So the Daedra and the Aedra are actually beings from this alternate dimension, or do you even want to call it a dimension? Uh, it would be a different plane. Uh, so Daedra, Daedra yeah. hail from Oblivion, and Aedra mm-hmm. hail from Aetherius, and... The thing about Aetherius is we in the game have never been. I'm, I'm thinking, hang on, let me make sure. I don't think we've but, actually ever been. Yeah, but we, we have encountered Aedra. Hang on, false. No? We have been to Aetherius. We've been to Sovngarde in Skyrim. So oh, it's, it's, basically, like, it's basically the afterlife that all the being, it's like heaven and oblivion yeah. is very attributed, usually attributed to hell. To hell. Yeah, so, that's, that's so, how I've, always mentally kind of done it like oblivion's hell Aetherius is heaven and lindus is our plane of existence right. so, so and, and the reason i'm asking this question is because i'm always trying to reconcile story <laughs> in terms of good and evil right and and moving in a direction of the primary struggle that pushes forth the narrative so would you say that daedra are agents of I don't even want to say the darkness just because of all the no Adra, all the bat shit yeah connotations no, there. But Daedra are amoral. Um, okay, yeah. there's there's some uh, Periite and Nocturnal and even Sheogorath to a degree. Well, yeah. 
transcend they, our petty, they just don't our care. petty moral yeah, they don't mm-hmm. they don't care yeah. azura will do that too azura will actually help people not out of the goodness but i mean it's it's very um it's very much like like the uh, the Godfather type situation. You know, they do you a favor, you do them a favor, you owe them a favor. Yes. And yes. as as characters, you are taking on the role of extreme uh, prophesized individuals. So your character is someone of extreme importance within the realm of Mundus, and so they're always. They're, these Daedric princesses are always trying to manipulate you into doing something that would further their cause, even though it also actually tends to end up hurting them in the long run. Like uh, the one that really strikes me is Moloch Ball. Yeah, he's a I was he's an he, a-hole. But yeah, I was going to say if the only one that I can recall um, being absolute just evil is Moloch Ball because yeah. he was, I think, one of the only ones that wanted. It's like, hey, I want Mundus for myself and I'm going to go in there and take it. So um, but he I guess if you want to say if anyone is like the devil main antagonist for one specific type of game would be Moloch Ball. Yeah, or so. Mayruns. Mayruns is Oblivion. And May- the reason yeah. why that is because Mayrins is the prince of destruction. His his entire purpose yeah. is destruction, and so whereas Molog wants to take Mundus for himself, Mayrins just wants to destroy it. Like he just wants to eat yeah. it. And yeah. um, that's that's actually the entire main story of Oblivion is is you you are the person who is supposed to stand up to him, and that is the actual the last kind of the last fight in Oblivion. Spoilers is uh you and the last surviving heir of the septum dynasty stopping the invasion of oblivion that was orchestrated by the prince of destruction because he opens up all the oblivion he opens up all these oblivion gates around tamriel and your job is to basically run around the entire country and close all these gates and the way you close them is you have to run in and destroy the entire like countryside of oblivion to get to these i guess they're towers is that wasn't that what they were they were these giant towers that you had to destroy the heart of and that would mm-hmm. basically implode these pocket transport universes that he would, he was creating so mayrunes and and yeah molag were kind of the they're really the only two though i mean like it's really hard to put morality on the daedrics daedric princes because they just don't care they really don't yeah Adra are creators, so they care about their creation in a in to a degree. There are some Adra who are (laughs) not very nice, but they actually, I mean, they do care in a way about what they've created. But the Daedra, like I said, Daedras are changers, and they didn't create it, so they don't really have that attachment. Well, could you say they care about it, or they're invested in it? Like they are invested in it in so far as it benefits them. Yeah. They're very, they're very I mean, they're amoral. Self, yeah. Yeah. They're very self-motivated, like whatever will work for them and whatever gets them to whatever their goal is at that time, that's what they're going to do. And if you happen to be mortal and you're there to give them a helping hand on their objective, then they're going to use you. So I think the thing we usually kind of the stumbling block whenever we talk good versus evil is the idea that morals are unnatural. Well, (laughs) they're unnatural. If you think about the natural world, how many, how many morals do 
does a pack of wolves have? They no, don't. And, they, and that's true. And wolves is a very um, humanistic. It, it runs counter to survival instinct in a lot of cases. It'll directly contradict what would be best for your own survival is the the concept of what is moral. Uh, so, yeah, I can definitely – I'm getting a better picture now of the Daedra and the Aedra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean and the, the thing is is like even I – mean, like I, I was kind of saying, even Aedra are to a degree amoral. Like they, they're not I, – I hesitate to call them amoral because like again – their entire con their entire basis of being is to create. And so you, but there's not a, there's not a moral like imperative in them. If they're just doing what they were, what they were created to do in a way, mm-hmm. whereas the Daedra are, you know, doing the same thing. They're just mixing the cards up. You know, they, it's, it's a very, it's, it's two aspects and really, the the juxtaposition between uh, Jigalag and Sheagorath really kind of show that off, because Sheagorath is you know pretty much a hundred percent chaos and just insanity and you know all this craziness, whereas Jigalag is this complete the, the complete opposite, like unnatural order. Everything has its place, and anything that steps out of line is destroyed and ground down. And so that was actually. Um, the Shivering Isles expansion was actually the entire purpose of that was you became the next Sheagorath by, by kind of break. There was a big, there's a big story that Jiggle, J, God, Jigalag, it's such a weird name. Jigalag, Stupid name. It, well, it's spelled it, really weird. Um, so <laughs> Jigalag was actually, he was so, obsessed with order that he pissed off the other Daedric princes. Uh, the, the other princes are actually scared of him because what he represents is complete. And like I said, complete and utter unnatural order. There is no movement. There is no, you know, Hey, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get one up on you and get more powerful than you because your place is your place is your place. And that's all there's no growth. There is no change. It is just a perfect machine constantly running and so the princes actually teamed up one, like one of the few times that these other Daedric princes actually worked in cohesive, you know, tandem with one another. And they, they collectively cursed him to become Sheagorath. And Sheagorath, you know, is the exact opposite of Jigalag. He's completely insane. His, his entire plane of existence is actually divided into, oh, what is it? Uh, dementia and... Uh, hang on real quick. It's mania and dementia. And it's just, it's called the madhouse is what his realms are called or the asylums, which the Mm -hmm. danger call it. And the, uh, you know, mania is the fantastic colorful side where, you know, you have your insane revelers and your art enthusiasts. And then dementia is this horrible, dark and ominous planet or plant plane that's inhabited with just like basically horror stories. And there is a process in which like, I think during, yeah, let me check real quick. Yeah. So Jigalag is able to manifest himself periodically through what's called the gray March. And he tries to, during this time period, he tries to re I mean, it's like this whole cyclical prophecy 
and he tries to reorganize everything and ultimately he fails and he reverts back to Sheagorath. And that was the entire point, like I said, of the Shivering Isles DLC was you you basically break this curse and set Jigalag free and then kill him. And then you take on the role of Sheagorath in the game. So, but that all being said, so that that's <laughs> a very, it's a very, as a disclaimer, this chat was extremely tough because... There is so much, just so much information. I mean, you can you can yeah. literally each each one of the main games has libraries and libraries of actual books within the game that you could yeah, spend years reading. I'd like to also add to that that we're not used to having a <laughs> lot of information. <laughs> Easily so, accessed information on top of yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, I'm not used to having. Uh, an outline of all the characters and their grandfathers and their offspring and then where their home addresses were and where I could reach them on Skype. And I'm not used to having all that. So that's new. <laughs> that's that's a new one for me. So, yeah, this – honestly, this this story reads like a novel. Destiny reads like a, you know, like a, a comic Short book. Short story. <laughs> cereal. It, it reads like a cereal, something that I'm expecting to be completed at some point, but not right this moment. Right. Um, it's, it's like comparing a short story to a Tolkien. Yes. And that's, and that's not, that's, that's absolutely not a dig at destiny. It's, no, it's a, it's not, it's, They're you different. have to understand that destiny is only in like year two of its existence. Whereas elder scrolls is, Lord, I don't even I can't remember not having Elder Scrolls to be completely honest. We're we're on game 5 of the main series and just on a real brief glance I got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 and then 11, there's 12 spin-offs. And like and each, I know I've been playing online for a lot and there's so much lore in online. It's yeah. insane. Like the, So the weird thing the, about online yeah. though is it's actually taking place before all the other games. It, yeah. Yeah. Which is really yeah. bizarre to me, but it's kind of cool, but I'm like I, I remember reading some of the lore in online. I'm like, "What? This person's dead." Like what is, what is going cuz mm-hmm. I'm comparing it to Skyrim and Oblivion which are my which are my main, you know, my favorites. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I started looking at the times and I was like, oh, this is taking place in the second era. This is not mm-hmm. and Skyrim takes place in fourth and Oblivion takes place in third. So, yeah. with that, like with I, that, do you want to oh, go for it? Oh, I was just saying like they know I know they mark it as an MMO, but I mean, you can play it like a standard normal RPG and still have enough lore and information put into it like you know, not as much as like Skyrim, but it's up there. Like I was really surprised at how much information and story and stuff that you get through just playing by yourself even though it's not made to be that way. So, anyways, just want to interject. So- that. <laughs> no, I, honestly, no, Mel, I'm curious. Having, because I'm just going to be honest, I mean, everyone listening can probably, you know, infer this from my silence. I've never played the game. So, mm-hmm. what are the MMO elements of this game? Like, what are the game modes that involve 
massively online? Um, well, obviously you can run around the whole entire area and you can run into people. Um, there's obviously um, your main, like the big cities, there's, it's just like the tower on Destiny. So there's a bunch of people there. Um, it actually has entire crafting systems and guild systems that you can access in on, like in the game. Like you don't have to go on to like a website to do it like Destiny does. So um, you have a bunch of different crafting from weapons to potions to whatever and armor or weapons whatever you as you want to do um and then in terms of playing um online with other people you can do- go and run dungeons and different missions and stuff together and some of them you require to actually go do so since we're destiny people uh, it's kind of like you have to go run like the raid and stuff basically um so, yeah so there are there are things like a dungeon is like the raid is that uh, yeah, a dungeon. A dungeon is a little bit smaller. I would echo, equate that to more of like a strike, um, and then they have longer, bigger missions that um, that requ- that are a little take longer. They're like bigger bosses that are more like the raid. They're not as long as the raid because there's not as many like small mid tier bosses, and then you have your final one. Um, but they're there. So, and like I said, like a lot of them, you actually have to have a team of X amount of people before you can go in there. And the international MMO style, they do have classes. Like I, I know Destiny has classes, but you know, you have your healer class, your DPS class, um, your tank class and stuff. And you need to have all of those satisfied before you go into the actual dungeons. So like, they're like, oh, you need to actually have a tank before we let you in the dungeon. So, um, but yeah, but it's, it's nice because you can still play most of the races that are are present in the other sky like in the other other Elder Scrolls games so it's I think they did a really nice job in terms of incorporating a very much one person RPG experience into an experience that you can do with other people which I know a lot of people really want and like hey this would be great if I had like a buddy to go run this dungeon with you know so um yeah that's that's kind of it (laughs) yeah no that's that's that that actually that explanation of the game makes me want to play it. Yeah. Because bonus. I hear I hear MMO, I hear things like that, and I, I get immediately uh you know I get intimidated. Because I, I generally I want to put my favorite guns on, I want to shoot the man's. I don't want to get too involved with how I tied my shoes that morning. I want yeah. to just I want to roll with it and the thought of a game where you know, like people are going to be like, oh, you've, you know, you know, like my intellect's not where it should be. And, and mm-hmm. I, I can't do what I need to do because I'm not a level this, that. And this this sounds like a much more simplified version of an MMO. I think so, considering um, I've had a hard time getting to MMOs. Like I've tried to play War, World of Warcraft God, years ago. I hated it. I couldn't play it. Um, and then I played Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy uh, 14 was very very overwhelming to me and I feel like it's really hard to do anything in that game without having a clan or a team of people to actually go do stuff with where as uh, online Elder Scrolls Online you can definitely run through most of the game without ever having to interact with anyone if you don't want to so um, yeah so so but anyways okay um, let's go into the the timeline here for the different eras and stuff since we were talking about the different where the yeah. games take place and stuff so that's what I was thinking okay yeah. so who wants to start off here Justin do you want to start off yeah with, yeah uh, I'll take it okay. I'll take it um, <laughs> okay. so the first of the eras is the uh, 
the prehistoric eras, and I'm going to start with the Dawn era. Um, it's known mostly through myth and legend, and it differs by culture, though most scholars agree that time did not exist, and when it was created, it was not linear. That statement I'll come back to. Um, <laughs> um, an era lasted for an unknown number of years. What is an era in our um, in our reckoning? You want to take that, Mel? Yeah. For, for what you, like uh, what is an era? Just yeah. just like the, a time period of right. yeah, yeah. It's just how they happen. chunk. It's just how they chunk out. Well, the I was just saying it in our in our universe, an era is an indefinite amount of time, but it's right. usually marked by it's it's marked by significant a significant events. starting point and a significant ending point. Right, right. It, and it's the okay. same here. Yeah, it would yeah. It, it, yeah. that that becomes very prominent in the modern eras because of the events that mark the end and beginning of them. And you'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk about the, there's like the last couple eras have only been a couple hundred years, whereas these earlier eras are like a couple thousand. So that, but, that is, that is the same understanding. Yes. Yeah. But the, the most significant um, event of the Dawn era was the creation of Mundus which is the mortal realm, which is I'm just going to call Earth. Pretty much. For my purpose, in my head. You, you guys can... You know. No, and that's, and that's pretty accurate. Mundus is basically physical. It's the physical realm, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the fun part about the Dawn era is exactly kind of, I think, what you kind of zeroed in on, too, is that time was not linear at this time, or that, at this point. And so, or even marked... I don't yeah. think they were marking it or right. keeping track of it. Because because at this point in time there were no mortals. It was only the Adra and the Daedra. And but actually predominantly there was only the Adra at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and so our concept of time that's another thing you pick up pretty quickly is not only are these creatures immortal, they don't even really recognize the passing of time in the same in the same way that we do um and so that's that's actually kind of an explanation on how they interact with our characters and they kind of you know will make they they will make comments about your character in previous games not necessarily like specifics because it's it's a you know it's an open world so you can do whatever you want on certain things but for the main events that you had to you know accomplish they will make comments about that and so that that's why that the uh, the time did not exist concept. That's why that in the dawn era we don't know how long it's the creation story of this of this world, which will lead us into the Marathic era. And I think that one is so. The Marathic era is also largely called the Mythic era, and. The majority of this era is considered to be outside of verifiable history because humanity or the men, uh, or like, so you have you have three different, uh, I guess, families of species. No, I don't know how that. I'm not a biologist, so I don't know this one. But <laughs> um, you have three different groupings of races. You have men, cool. men, myrrh, and beast. And men are humans. Myrrh are usually the elven species, 
or race races, sorry. And then beast are your Khajiit, your, um, Orsmer and like your, ah, why is it Argonians? Um, those are the beast. So they're not, it's kind of the outside. And then you have, you have a couple races who are completely outside, which you know, it's just really annoying. But so men did not have a written language at this, at this point until the end of this era. And so really the only records that we have are from the old Mary, which are the myrrh. And these are the high elves. Now their records do date back to the beginning of the metheric era. So there are some records available. However, as is pretty classical in most fantasy stories, myrrh and men do not really get along um, at all. There is a lot of tension always between the elvens, elven races and the human races for the most part. As a, as a ger- ger- generic stereotype, the elven races do not like the human races for various reasons. I maintain that that's because the elven races are really snooty. Um, there are so the Ald Mary, the Ald Mary, and then there's another one <laughs> called the Aeliad. They, those two, yes, definitely. The High Elves and the Aeliad are um, well. The Aeliad actually enslaved humankind for a very long time, and the Ald Mary just. There's a reason we call them the High Elves is because they're very, very prim and proper. Well, they're not prim and proper, but they they turn their nose up at. They don't view mortals as they call as they call men as worth their time um which yeah. is very very prominent in the third era and the events that kind of lead into the fourth era um the uh the beasts kind of just they kind of keep to themselves uh like the wood elves and then you have like sea elves and you know other other variations of the myrrh they're 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 kind of just apathetic they don't really care too much at all um but so we do we do have records from the old mary and we in in the game we kind of have some understanding of that we we do know that this era lasted for roughly 2500 years and unlike the other eras which counted up this is kind of like the bc period in our world it counted down now the main events in this in this era was the exploration of tamriel and the settling in of a new of the new civilization so this is where basically tamriel really became the the center place of nern which is again nern is the the planet and so that the end of the metheric era is the beginning of what is the first of the modern era which is the what's you know simply called the first era and i think mel i'm going to hand that off to Hand that off to you. For the first era, the first era lasted about 2,900 and change years. Um, the most important things um, that happened during this time was the power struggle between men and elves, which uh, uh, Blue just was talking about. So let's see. Where do we want to dig into here? Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of information. So um, – <laughs> Um, Alessia begins, oh, I'm going to chop up this word. How do we say the, that area? Uh, Sidro, that, uh, this one's weird. Sidrolilic, I think. Sidrolilic. Sidrolilic. Okay. Sidrolilic human, uh, human uprising against the Aeliad with her demigod lover, which was Morahas Breath of the Kind and Peniel Whitestrike, which I have no clue who they are, but we're going to pretend that I do. And that happened around the uh, first era, 20, uh, 242. 
And then after that, um, the White Gold Tower falls around 243, um, which view, was viewed as a symbolic end as the Aelid Empire. And at that time, the Alessa Empire of the Krylodid was officially formed, and that was known as the First Empire. Um, alien lordships are now outlawed um, as part of the Elysian doctrines of Markrul, and that happened around 361. So now we have a huge shift in power. People who were um, allied to the former um, rule was now considered as outlawed, and that's that's no bueno. So um, at which point most of the alien departed from the Krillidid and became absorbed into the elven population of Valenwood, which is the area where the wood elves live. Um, so the powerful uh, religions are now also born in Tamiro at this point in time. Um, the Divine Heart also causes a terrible war, which um, which was the first war of the console. Um, and then this war um, ends with the disappearance of the once great race of Dwemer, which if uh, in the games is throughout a very mysterious race. Um, I don't know if you know anything about them, Blue, but from no, my research, so, I haven't really like found anything we, about them. Yeah, we talked about this in chat. And it's one of the most, like, annoying. So for a game that has an overabundance of lore accessible to everything, there is nothing on the Dwimmer. Nothing yeah. on the Dwimmer. And it is one of the most, it's like, if you want to if you want to start a conspiracy conversation with someone who is Elder Scrolls nut, start talking about Dwimmer. Because there is absolutely no information on what they what caused their disappearance. And other than there's, there's theories and there's thoughts that, you know, they, they decided to transcend. They decided they were done with, with Mundus and they just wanted to go elsewhere, like elsewhere, but there's no, there's like nothing Um, to back, to back up just real quick though, on the, the entire shift of power from elves to man, it's, it's entirely correct. The political structure of the entire, the political landscape has completely flipped over at this point. The important thing to remember too is that the White Gold Tower is a very, very, very important aspect in the in the continent of Cyrodiil. Um, the White Gold Tower is actually never fully destroyed, and it actually becomes the center of the entire con- or entire province. And she and Alyssa actually takes up her. Uh, her empire actually is seated in the Imperial city and the Imperial city is, is so Cyrodiil is the center providence of Tamriel. Imperial city is the center of Cyrodiil. It's like the most central point of Tamriel. It is in the heartland of Tamriel. And so in the, the white gold tower is basically the center of Imperial. I mean, it's, it's symbolically, just the most central point of the entire continent. So it's a very, 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 very important area. And it's, it's, you know, notice it's very, it's described as a gleaming white architecture and magnificent statues. You know, it's very symbolic of a lot of Tolkien-esque architecture. So when the white gold tower is, it falls and Alyssa kind of takes that and then makes that her seat of power it's it's not it's it's as symbolic as well as actually kind of you know i'm building over your empire and that's why in a lot of the game you'll notice that there are ruins throughout the the countryside that are called the aliad ruins the aliads are the the race of elves 
who no longer exist. They've actually kind of been adopted into the other mer races and have kind of faded from the, the, the known realms. So they, and especially in Valenwood. And so that's where they kind of dispersed. And so that, that's a big, 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 big shift. And that's where the, um, like I was saying, that's the giant shift in the first era. And it was, it's actually one of the, I, I would argue it's the most important event in the first era. So when we jump into the second era, so the first era lasted about 2,900 years. It's usually attributed to being 2,920, 2,920 years. The second era is significantly shorter. This, this era only lasted for 897 years. Um, now, even though it's shorter because and there's there's a lot of arguments within the the lore the not the lore community but in game communities that the short shortening of these eras was because of the um the shift in power from elves to human so Humans have shorter lifespans, therefore they're turn, you know, they're, they turn things over very quickly and, and that nature. So the second era begins with the assassination of the last of the Sildra line. And this, is, this takes place in uh, what, what's called 1E2920. And so the last of the Elysian line is assassinated. And this, this era is also the beginning of the, the gaining of factions. The factions start appearing. You know, you have your guilds, which are, you know, your mages guild, your fighters guild, the Dark Brotherhood, uh, Thieves Guild, all these guilds <clears throat> start kind of growing into these different cities because now they've settled in and they're actually kind of, you know, developing their own personalities even more so. Um, there is actually a entire, this is also one of the first times that a Daedric Prince launches an invasion onto Mundus. He, and this is from Molag Ball. And this entire event is called the Plain Meld. Now, the second era, like I said, is a pretty, pretty big, pretty big time. And there is, I'm trying to make sure I'm going to not say this incorrectly. There are a couple games which actually take place in this era. And most of these, actually, none of the main games take place in the second era. Predominantly, all the, second, all the main games take place actually in the third era. But there is a figure called the Hero. And this hero is given a title of the Vestige, who then is, leads an army that actually invades the Daedric Prince's realm which is called Cold Harbor. And he actually, this, this, this figure actually puts an end to this, the plane meld. And if I remember correctly, that's by putting Molag Bog down, like killing him. But just like, you know, in Destiny, death isn't final for Daedric Princess. So they, they stop his invasion, but... So what's up? No, I was going to say, is it very much that the Daedric Princess... Uh, not princess, but princes, um, that they exist on Mundus in a withdrawn type of, it's, it's a corporal form, but their true, their true essence, like their vulnerability is back on oblivion. So they can die on Mundus 
and still, you know, have their essence still be intact on to oblivion. A, yeah, to a degree, I would I would say yeah, it's very very reminiscent of and and you know a lot of people want it would I would I know a lot of people will attribute it oh that's like the ascendant realm of or a throne world or a throne world maybe yeah the thing, I'm one of yeah the thing to remember is that um. That's not that's not actually a, an unknown st- story mechanism in fantasy, um, and you know Tolkien had a degree of it with the differentiations of the realms in his in his segregation of the world levels. Uh, Lewis had it in his you know a lot of the a lot of the more well known fantasy authors have a degree of that, and this is this is very yes I would say this is very similar to that yeah you can kill a Daedric prince in Mundus and it's pretty likely that that Daedric Prince won't actually be dead. It'll just snap him or her oh, or it back into its realm. Well, it's like a hermit crab. Right. You can destroy the shell, but the, the crab itself just scurries back into the sea. Yeah. And there's actually even cases like, you know, in the plane meld where you kill them in their realm and they don't die. Like they die, they, they perish, but they, uh, you know, maneuver themselves back into a place of power that's weak (laughs) that's what that's what happens when you're when you're basically a god you you can't really get killed you can just get paused when i like when i shoot the mans i like them to stay dead so i like (laughs) so so well and i was just i was just explaining the plane meld entire process there and so that that was you know and I guess I'll kind of defer to you on this one because this is this is the era that Elder Scrolls takes place in. So where, when exactly, like, what exactly is going on? Is is the Elder Scrolls Online more in like Mundus, or is it actually dealing with the Daedric Prince of Ball? Um, you're it's it's weird. Because most of the gameplay does take place in Tamriel. Like, you go to the Somerset Isles, you go to a bunch of the different areas. But the concept is is that you are pretty much dead and you were, like, uh, just kind of a corpse in Moloch Ball's area. And they say, okay, we are free you because you're, like, this, you know, prophesized, mm-hmm. you know, superhuman so type of thing. You need to- so you play as the yeah. prestige. You play as a vestige. Yes, exactly. Um, So and then they they send you back. And then so the whole entire game, of course, you also now get involved in a lot of the politics Mm -hmm. based on what Mm -hmm. faction that you choose. So you get a lot of the, you know, the the men and myrrh and the beast all about all their politics that are going on because there's a huge war going on, like starting to brew. But then you have Moloch Ball and then you take so you are now the main entity and you're gathering all these other specific forces um, to go defeat. Moloch Ball's plan. Okay, so you so, and then, so it is the plane meld that online takes place in. So does like the three yeah. banners war and all that, is that going on at the same time in the game? It's brewing. Like okay, you're in the, the beginning. Yeah, like uh um I haven't gotten to end game content because um Destiny um Taking King kind of came out. So <laughs> um That's a but legit, yeah, so that is a legit excuse. 
we'll right? accept it. <laughs> okay, good. I got really close. I got very close to the end stuff. But from my understanding that once the end game content is more of the actual war, because you play a lot of, um, de- again, depending upon what faction you choose, right. you like you take you follow their story on like, well, we're right because of this, this is that. And you have to f- do a bunch of their bidding and stuff. So it and pretty I'm, much ends right before the war um, that I recall. You mean the factions are the the Ebonheart, the Daggerfall, and the Old Mary. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Oh, freaking Old Mary! I hate the Old <laughs> Mary. Sorry. Just on principle, I cannot stand the Old Mary because of what happens later with them. The first, the f- so okay. So the Three Banners War was a a giant power struggle between three factions, which kind of we just mm-hmm. kind of talked about. It's Ebonheart Pact, the Daggerfall Covenant, or yeah covenant and then the first old mary dominion i'm not really familiar on the first two but the the last one old mary dominion it's the first dominion of the old mary empire or the old mary i guess it's empire and it's what it's basically elves that are like we're better than you and we don't care about you because you're mortal and so i i'm not a fan of i never i never played that's funny because when When I played online, I was part of the Eldamary Dominion because they had the best like class setups for based mm. on race. I'm like, oh, I want to play that. So I played through it, and like their story from their perspective is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just kind of yeah, they're just kind of like, oh, we want to reunite all everyone. We want to unite everyone, mm. and like I'm sure the, they do. They're liars. But, but to be fair, wow. based on what what their story that. was. <laughs> There was a lot of other like BS that was going on at the same time. Like the leader, the the chick, I forget her name. She, like she was like genuinely like invested in these people and wanted to do right by them. But then her brother was the one that wanted the power and just wanted to crap everything. And so he kept like th- throwing all this shit at her. And then finally she's like, you know what? I can't handle this. I'm gonna go go to my special place. So um, and that's kind of where I left off on that. But but yeah yeah. So blue, I just wanna I just wanna touch on your elf resentment. I it's I'm not sorry. no okay I'm correction sorry. correction I'm not, not no no let me clarify it's not elf it's not elf it's all yes. Mary and Amir no. yeah they're kind of dicks <laughs> no no I've I've there's an undercurrent that's been flowing through this whole thing is blue does not like elves not elves um, I don't mind I play I play Bosmers I play wood elves like I've mm-hmm. always so, played a wood elf like but this the, is, oh my gosh the now, now I can't really speak a whole lot to the different elf, elven factions here in the game because I haven't played the thing and I'm not very knowledgeable about it. But I have been a giant Tolkien nut for a very long time. Right. And uh, I can definitely uh, kind Altmers, of – Altmers are um, – I can kind of sympathize with with the elves just in the simple fact that – You've got a group of people who are who are long haul. Like their their expectancy in this realm is a lot longer. And then the humans are kind of like the renters that come in and just trash the place, and then they're going to be <laughs> gone in a little bit. So I can definitely see the the superiority and the resentment and everything that comes. To, and it's a theme that I think every fantasy that involves right, elves right. and immortality and humans. Well, it's, it's a classic. It's a classic uh, 
juxtaposition between immortality and mortal races. Yeah. Well, An immortal it, race is going to be more quote unquote patient and, you know, immortal goals and immortal right. interests. They're, they're more long, long game. And whereas the, you know, obviously the yeah. human who only lives 90 years compared to the thousand years of the elves is going to be a flash in the pan. But the Altmer take that to an extreme. They're just assholes. Like, yeah, they, they are. They, I mean, I'm sorry, but they are just complete and utter a holes. And they sound like my people. <laughs> See, I'm I'm more of a Bosmer player. I play it's the Wood Elves, and that's mostly because they are uh, just uh, mechanics wise, they're more ranged and they're more sneak oriented. Um, but but also in the story they just don't care they like they don't they don't make themselves a part of any of it like they um they just they're quick-witted like they're very very snarky about things but they just they don't get in they don't get involved like they just are like oh that's nice i'm just going to go back to my forest and veil and wood and ignore all of you because you're all stupid and i'm going to live longer than you anyways so yep. So that, that that sums up that sums up them pretty well. <laughs> that I, and their green pact. <laughs> just love Bosman. I just see them see them just like na 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 boo boo, and it's you're all gonna die. I'm what, gonna be Bosmer? okay. The Bosmer, yeah, yeah, they'll do that, but you won't see them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're just amazingly. Well, is it is it wrong? I just the Tolkien themes just keep streaming through my head that's all i see right that's all i see i see the elves on the ship uh i see the elves on the ship departing for the you know that that (laughs) is very that yeah that's kind of very altmer except altmer so altmer in it's not so it's not so noticeable in the second and well it's kind of more noticeable in the third era but and we'll, we'll let's jump into the third era so and so the thing to keep in mind is these Altmer, which are the comp- the main components of this this faction called the Aldmeri Dominion, they are very. It's it's not that they're anti men. They're not they're not like anti human. They just think that we're really stupid, and that we don't know what we're doing, and they think they're that they are. Right. They well to a degree I could see this. However, the way that they go about correcting this as they see it is very very i i think incorrect and so the third era which is even shorter than the last in the second era the third era only lasts 400 430 433 years this this is described as many as the most glorious era this was the time of the septum dynasty which is a human family line um tiber septum and earlier Uriel Septum the seventh, which are predominant in the majority of the main titles. So of the five main title games, four of them take place in the third era. And those are the first one, which is Arena, second one, which is Daggerfall, third is Morrowind, and then fourth is Oblivion. All of them and all of their DLCs take place in the third era. The uh so even though this this era is half the length of the previous era which is like a half the length of the other eras there is a ton of stuff that happens in this era um 
you have numerous wars, you have, you know, political espionage that makes everything before it look peaceful. Um, and then the end, the ending of this era is the oblivion crisis, which is very, you know, the oblivion, the game oblivion. That is the entire ending of this era. And it is not just as the same as the second era began with the assassination of the last of a powerful line. The third era ends with the sacrifice of a character named Martin Septim, which is the last of the Septims. And the, the cool thing about this is the Septims were known to be dragonborn, which is a, a term that many of us who have played Skyrim would probably be familiar with. So Uriel is actually a dragonborn, or Tiber type, sorry, Tiber Septim, who was the first Septim, was actually a dragonborn. Um, Martin Septim is actually a um, he he transforms into a dragon. I think it's I think if I remember right, he's actually channeling Akatosh as uh, as a way to end the Oblivion Crisis, and so. This is it, like it's a huge, huge battle, and it's actually a really cool. If you if you haven't played Oblivion, you should go just watch this ending scene because it's really kind of cool. But this is the introduction of. Ah, let me just back up from the very beginning. Arena. The beginning. The begin. No, not the beginning. The beginning of the main. The main. Not game. the beginning. Not the beginning. The beginning. Wait, of the you've main been game. going for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, the beginning of the, the main beginning. series. So, okay. So Go like ahead. I said, four of the games take place in the third era. The first of the games is called Arena. And this takes place in the years 389 to 399. Um, and it's it's a pretty simple game uh, just because it, at that time it was pretty revolutionary. But by today's standards, it's extremely simple. And you basically play the figure of a, t- a character called the Eternal Champion. The Eternal Champion is a figure whose entire purpose is to rescue Uriel Septim, who is the emperor, from the traitorous, what his name is, Jagartharn, who is the head wizard. And he basically threw Uriel into oblivion and then shapeshifted himself into the emperor and took over the empire. So your entire point of your character is to reassemble what's called the staff of chaos and kill Tharn. And so you do that. And so this, this is like 300 years into this, into this era that leads into Daggerfall, which is takes place in four Oh five. Now in Daggerfall, you play again as this, as this prophesized hero that's who's called the hero of Daggerfall. And in this game, again, Uriel Septim, the seventh, is the emperor, and he has sent you on a quest. And the, basically, the quest is the the uh, the collection of pieces of power that lead into the ability or the uh, the item, which is Numidium. And Numidium is an important item that was used by Tiber Septim at the end of the second era to unify the entire landmass of Tamriel. And it's a Dwemer artifact. So again, Dwemer are not only super annoyingly mysterious, they're also super powerful. And they make really, really big robots. And it's annoying to fight them. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're whoa, 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 whoa. 
Did yeah. you say robots? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're like clockwork. It's like a weird. Like, were they were they powered by steam? Uh, were they pa- oil? Some of them were, but they are mostly powered by like soul soul gems. Yeah, or like a weird had, a weird variant of soul gems. Yeah, and had like oil and gears and stuff. They're really weird. This and they come out of these holes in the wall that look like the little sister oh, holes. So. <laughs> I swear to God, this game sounds more and more like Skylanders by the moment. It's, they came out and they were all with clockwork and mechanics. And, so, so oh. anyway, <laughs> so the entire point of Daggerfall is to create the Numidium, and the game ends. It, the funny thing about Daggerfall is like <laughs> the game has five various endings so it actually has five different endings and in order to create morrowind they had to find a way to create a continuity in the in the storyline so they created this thing called the warp of the west and the way they explain the continuity is they just go out of they just basically are like yeah all five events happened at the same time because Parallel universes? Yeah, because the warp. They explained (laughs) it. They said that uh, due to the fact that in order to retrieve the Mantella, which is an aspect of the Numidium, you have to go into Aetherius. So actually, yeah, we do go into Aetherius at this point. There is a disruption that caused the (laughs) space-time. And Akatosh, who is the dragon god of time, just basically was like, yeah, all this happened. So your hero is killed. The kingdoms of like numerous kingdoms are victorious in their individual civil wars. Uh, the imperial forces are defeated by the orcs, who then create Orsinium, Orsinium, and then all Tamriel is reunited. And oh yeah, the King of Worms becomes a god and comes back. So there's all that fun stuff. Which in the game you can only pick one, so it's kind of a Mass Effecty type response. Which leads into Morrowind, which takes place in 427. And Morrowind, I'm still not really sure, but because it seems like there's a ton of stuff that happens in Morrowind, and they, it only looks like it's only one year. This guy walked a lot because there was no mm. fast travel in Morrowind. But you play as mm. <laughs> well. No, I take that back. There were the Stilt Walkers. Stilt Walkers existed, I think, in Morrowind, but. So you that's play, your that's your version of fast travel. Uh, the Stiltwalker, no, Stiltwalkers was a a attempt at fast travel, but you couldn't like you can't like in Oblivion and Skyrim you can fast travel from any point to any like really any point. Like you can say I'm in the middle of nowhere, I want to fast travel to a city. In Morrowind, you had to be at a specific point, and you could only travel to other specific points. So if you're 50 miles away from that specific point you had to walk the 50 miles it was it was fun i promise it was a lot of fun but anyways you play as the, the nira Varine, <laughs> which which is i don't a, believe you it's a little bit it's the, a piece the, the scary thing is so the scary thing is is that each of these games is actually geographically smaller than the one before Arena is actually, I think, if I remember correctly, the Arena is actually the largest game of the Morrowind or the uh, Obli- or, God man in Elder Scrolls series. I'm going to get the name right eventually. 
<laughs> Arena was actually geographically the biggest of them. And so each of these games gets progressively smaller geographically to the point where it's Skyrim, which you can still spend a day walking across the the province of Skyrim, but it's ridiculous. You, you're really not selling this thing. No, no, no. Well, you you need to you play are. it and you will play it. So you'll shut your You face. can literally spend a day. A day. Well, the other, the other fun. So the other fun thing about Morrowind is that that was how you could build up your, uh, your physical attributes was by walking. So I, I mean, I remember <laughs> playing where you would duct tape your controller and just walk into a wall to keep maxing up your uh, strength. This is the beauty. This is the beauty of not having cheat codes. And you actually had to like figure out ways around the hardware limitations of the games that you were playing. <laughs> oh my god. This also is where my my fascination of finding the walls and breaking out of the the invisible barriers of games came from because Morrowind was an evil game that had a lot of it, random invisible walls that Whoa. were not oh. So Invisible walls are the worst. You get XP for walking? Yeah, because, it, well, it's an RPG. So you're building up... Oblivion had the same same. That was concept. not a sufficient... No, that was not a sufficient explanation. So, so how, how else would you build up your strength? By lifting weights or, or something? I mean, walking? Well, yeah, you're... You're carrying a giant pack you're carrying, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're, you're. Yeah, you're. You have all your so, equipment. Up, I mean, like, who else is going to carry that wooden spoon that you accidentally picked up from that dungeon that you were just in? And like, you, Those wooden you have spoons to carry. Sold for a lot of gold. You leave my wooden spoon collection. Why? Chanted well, <laughs> daggers, uh, ma'am. That's no. That. You're talking. You're talking to a kleptomaniac in these games. I would <laughs> steal just about everything that was not bolted. Actually, I have an equation that determined whether or not I was going to steal it. So. Yeah, I believe him. I think there was a spreadsheet. It wasn't a spreadsheet. It was it was basically you divide the the value that you would get by the weight, and if it was okay. above one, you would steal. So, it. no, no, you go ahead, Blue. You finish that thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I go feel ahead. like that can be put into an app. Like RPG stealing, is it worth it? You know, put the thing in there yeah. minus no, you know, the yeah. weight, and they push a button, and then it will tell you like, yeah, and this is has a ninety percent no. value of worth stealing. No, you know? yeah, no, it's uh, at its heart, it is opportunity cost. Yeah, it's exactly you what talk it is. About economics. I'm not yeah. joking. I always played a thief or an assassin but, in these games. Okay, okay, Blue, I'm gonna let you finish. Go ahead. <laughs> and then I'm going to have my say. I'm going to do. See, this is why this show is so great, because I, I clearly delineate the segues. No, no, Blue. No, seriously. Are you done with the third era? No. No. Third era has a lot of stuff. The third era has, has a ton of stuff. So yeah, okay. So Morrowind it has the bulk of the games in it. So <laughs> Morrowind ends with Dagoth Ur um, being killed. Like you kill Dagoth Earth, and you you basically unite all three 
of there's there's the Dunmer, which are the dark elves, and they live in Morrowind, and they have what's basically called houses, and these are the political structures of Morrowind. And as part of the character, as part of your storyline, you unite all the unite the three of the great houses, and you oppose the in, the invasion that is caused that Dagoth Dagoth Ur, who is another Daedric prince, is trying to create, and you kill him. And then there's a then this is where they also introduced the concept of DLC because at this point Morrowind was actually ported over to the consoles. It was a terrible port, but because they they took a game that was designed for a place or a PC and they put it onto a console. And anybody who's typed on a keyboard will understand that there are not that many keys on a console controller, but they didn't change any of the the command structures. It was annoying. However, they came out with DLCs, and these DLCs actually led eventually near they they expanded on the story of the Nerevarian, and they also gave you the um, the explanation of the death of Hercene, and then also the killing of a, a minor god. Uh, it doesn't even really matter, Almaxia, and these were two other events that the Nerevarian basically saved. Nern from crazy Daedric princes going insane. But all this leads into Oblivion. And Oblivion is a, is the, the fourth game, but it also is the game that marks the end of the Third Era. And as is usual with most of the Elder Scrolls games, you start off as a prisoner. You all like all the Elder Scroll games. You always start off as either a prisoner or someone who's on a shipwreck. It's it's a pretty classical RPG element because it gives you an excuse not to have anything and you have to collect everything. So you play. You start off as a prisoner, and then you have Uriel Septim, the seventh, has a dream which basically tells him that there is a hero within his prison that will close shut the jaws of Oblivion, which is the Oblivion Crisis. After this dream, he actually start his family starts getting assassinated. And so he is actually in the process of escaping the Imperial City when you are out to be executed and your paths kind of cross and it just, you know, standard RPG, hey hero, why don't you join our party? Blah blah blah. And you're you're basically you basically step in and you actually save or that you try to save him and he actually gets assassinated and he dies and they basically pass the task of finding his last surviving heir onto your character, which then leads into once you find Martin, who is the last surviving heir of the Septum throne, this, this leads to the battle and of oblivion and the closing of the gates, which is the, which has been orchestrated by the Prince of Destruction, Mayor and Stagger, which we kind of talked about already. So that is that is the end of the third era. Now there are events that are in the DLCs, such as the Sheagorath story arc, and then the Knights of the Nine, which deal with um, oh, oh man, what's the guy's name? The entity is Umeril, but I know Mel, you you had talked about him just second. Oh, Malag Ball? No, not like uh, uh, Pelinol. Pelinol Walt White. Street. Oh, okay. I'm his like, what are we? <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no, no. His his importance <laughs> is he um he killed a character 
called Umaril the Unfeathered. And in the DLC of the Knights of the Nine, which is takes place right after the Oblivion Crisis, Umaril actually resurrect, is resurrected. And your your character, the hero of the Kavach, is tasked to put him down. And you go on to become what's called the Second Divine Crusader, and you, which basically it's a it's a quest of collecting all these different aspects of the nine divines, which is the pantheon of Cyrodiil, and or the imperial uh, the imperial pantheon. So you collect all these pieces, and you become basically a holy templar, a holy warrior, and you actually overthrow Umaril in the mortal realm, and then actually chase him into his own version of the oblivion plane, which is the spiritual realm. And this whole time, this whole thing is called the Auroran crisis. And you, you end that as well. And then you get the shivering isles, which basically is, Hey, we have this crazy guy, a crazy Daedric Prince called Shea You've run into him a couple of times, but let's, let's go visit him on his home turf. And that is the entire, um, when we were talking about the gray March, that was, that was this entire story arc. So, this all happens, and that's the end of the third era. Needless to say, there's a lot that happens in the third era, and I'm that sure was a bunch. Yeah, I'm sure I have forgotten a ton. Like, there's, there's. I mean, you could spend hours talking about just the 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 events in Oblivion, the Oblivion Crisis. But so, Oblivion populates the third era exclusively. Yeah, it kind of it's blurry on the DLC uh whether or not the um it's it's blurry on the DLC whether or not that's the the it's it's at the end of the third era and the cusp of the beginning of the fourth era. And so like especially Shivering Isles, I'm not really sure where Shivering Isles falls. I think technically it falls in the third era. But you could probably make an argument that it's actually kind of the start of the fourth era because the actual third era ends with the sacrifice of Martin to end the Oblivion Crisis. So, what do you think, Mel? I actually have not played Oblivion, so this is all lots of new information to me. Like, I, I knew bits and pieces about what happened to Oblivion just to kind of like prepare myself when I was going to Skyrim because they do refer someone to this stuff. I'm like, what are they talking about? <clears throat> so I did, I did a little bit of reading, but not, not to the extent of what we just covered. So, but, but yeah, um, I, I'm ready to go into fourth era fourth because era's. yeah, this is a fun one. Because yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of what happens in the fourth era because I, I yeah, Skyrim. <laughs> fourth era is where it's at. And that's why, that's why I'm a read fourth era. My personal favorite era within this game. Um, it's how is it your it, personal favorite? Well, honestly, it's my personal favorite because it's colored orange in the show notes. Um, oh, so, oh, yeah, oh. So it begins with the general decline of the mages, which I think we could all probably foreseen. Due to the rumor that magic started the Oblivion Crisis. So magic is not in vogue at the moment. And this this kind of led to the White Gold Concordat. Um, the Great War from 4E-171 to 4E-175. Seems like Dewey Decimal numbers, but we'll roll with it. Um, was the name given to the armed conflict between the Third Aldmeri Dominion 
and the Mede Empire during the Fourth Era. The Thalmor call it, quite forebodingly, the first war with the Empire. So, kind of here I'm thinking they're referring to the White Gold Concordat as the Empire. Uh, well... No. 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 The Concordat okay. the Concordat was the treaty that ended the Great War. Um and the reason why it's called the White Gold is because again, remember the White Gold Tower at the center of the Imperial City? That was the Mede Empire. That was actually the Mede Empire is the human forces. The Aldmeria Dominion was the elven forces. And this, the third Aldmeri, Aldmeri Dominion is actually the basis of my hatred of the Aldmeri Dominion because they're, they're mostly comprised of a, a sect called the Thalmor and they are mm. the snobbish of the snobbish. Like they, they don't deal. Their well. armor is gold. That should tell you right off the yeah. bat that they're, they're kind of jerks. So <laughs> what? Yeah, no, the, the Thalmor yeah. were... Sounds, that sounds real good. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's, it's, say I'm going to get gold armor? That makes me a jerk. Well, everyone is else is wearing, like, fur and sticks. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not my part. It's not my fault you made poor life choices <laughs> and you're wearing <laughs> sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, my, no. it's not my job to keep you in gold armor. No. So the so basically what happened was they they came to Titus the second and they said, Here's here's our terms. Um we're going well here, let me let me just read this quote real quick. He, this is actually this is actually a quote from the game. And it says the terms were harsh. Well, this is for the gold cordat or concordat. So this was at the end of the Great War. And he says, the terms are harsh, but Titus II believed that it was necessary to secure peace and give the empire a chance to regain its strength. The two most controversial terms of the Concordat were the banning of the worship of Talos and the cessation of a large section of southern Hammerfall, most of which was already occupied by Aldmeri forces. Critics have pointed out that the Concordat is almost identical to the ultimatum the emperor rejected five years earlier. However, there is a great difference between agreeing to such terms under the mere threat of war and agreeing to them at the end of a long and destructive war. No part of the Empire would have accepted these terms in 4 East 171, dictated by the Thalmor at Sword's Point. Titus II would have faced civil war. By 4 E 175, most of the Empire welcomed peace at almost any price. And the... So when and that and that was from a legionnaire who was stationed in Skyrim, and or no, sorry, he was stationed in Hammerfell. Anyways, the the point of it was that ultimatum that they that they demanded was the start of this entire conflict. They they basically sent a Thalmor diplomat. And he came into the Imperial City and he said, Hey, you know, this is this is the deal. We're going to we need we're going to ally with you, but in order for us not to go to war, you need to stop you need to stop having Talos in your pantheon, which Talos is the god form of Tiber Septum, who was a human. So he's like a Hercules mm-hmm. figure. Mm-hmm. And then you also need to give us this segment of Hammerfell and the emperor was just like, that's nice. No, go away. 
he um he the the response of the diplomat was basically to go over to a cart and open up the cart and dump out the heads of every single one of the diplomats that the the empire had within the regions of the elsewhere and the um the Aldmeri dominions so they had found and then uh, rooted out all and these these diplomat these these individual agents were what was formed of the blades this was a there was a formation of the blades which was another part of the ultimatum was the dismissal of the blades and they had found all every single blade and beheaded them collected their heads put them in a cart and taken them all the way to the imperial city basically to the point that it was either you accept our ultimatum or we're going to war and that was what started the great war now the great war would you know it would rage for 5 years within the empire the empire finally you know the citadel finally gives in to the and this is the white gold concordat and this treaty was signed in 175 so 4 years basically however what happened was because the because of the conditions of the white gold concordat that actually created a very very big schism within Citadel's political structure. So, mm-hmm. what that results in is Skyrim. Skyrim, who yep. who holds Talos as their patron, was basically "f you." We're not giving up our god. And then Hammerfell, which is the southern part of it, was "screw you." We're not giving up our country. And so these two these two um, provinces split from. The, the central province of Citadel, which some would some argued in the game was actually the entire point. They wanted to segregate these these human provinces from one from one another. And so Skyrim, which I'm sure Mel is going to jump into on on that, because that was the civil war in Skyrim. And then what yeah. happens in Hammerfell? Hammerfell actually is like, you know what? You can sign your your concordat. We're going to re- we refuse. We're not giving up our countrymen to this you know invading force and they go on to fight for another five years before they they actually manage to fight the aldmeri dominion to a standstill and actually back off and so hammerfell becomes an independent state now it's like completely decimated but it's now an independent state and they are actually looking at citadel with the with the message of we told you so we could have done this. You just backed out. You you backed down before we could prove to you that we actually could do this. And this was this was a big part of the chat. Actually, was you know what would have happened if Hammerfell and Skyrim actually convinced Citadel to stay in the war? Because then you would have had so Red Guards who are from Hammerfell and the Nords who are from Skyrim are the most battle hardened figures of the playable races in the game. Like it, the Nords are basically the Norse berserkers, and the Red Guards are like the I don't even know what they would. I mean, they're just solid fighting machines. But if they actually fought together, they would just you just run, just just run away. But mm-hmm. with that being said, I'll let Mel kind of talk about the the civil war in Skyrim. Um. Uh, well, within Skyrim you're kind of interjected. I'm just going to kind of start from like the beginning of the game. You're, you're pretty much there and um, you right off the bat, you're telling, Oh, well you're the dragonborn, which means you're born of dragons and that you're the only one that can defeat them. 
And as you're going through Skyrim, because this is where this takes place, um, you start being thrown into the Civil War. And the Civil War is result of the Concordat in the sense that uh, there's people who still worship Talos, and then there's the people of the Imperial Legions. And so you go through the whole entire areas of Skyrim and you meet different people who are like for it and against it. And some people are still worshipping Talos and there's people who are like, well, no, we need to kill you because you're worshipping Talos and that's not part of the thing. And so you you also get kind of involved, if I remember right, because it's been a couple of years since I've played this game, um, that <laughs> that you you are getting involved and there is um, one specific leader of the Nords and he's he's troubled because he doesn't know which way to fall and you have to kind of help him decide which way to go. Um, and that was kind of like the final um, – God, what is the word I'm looking for? The final decision of what you need to make within the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whether or not to side with the Stormcloaks or the Imperial Legion. Right, right. And you go through, and you can do different missions for each each sect. So, like, I remember I got to the point where I was just kind of doing them for both to kind of see which one I wanted to to, mm-hmm. to side with because I didn't know all this back history at the time. So, um, and then eventually you have to help the the king to decide. Either you you overthrow him and you you side with one side. I I think if you overthrow him, you uh, you you side with the Imperial Legion, and if you side with the Stormcloaks, you keep him in, and you help him fight. Is that is that right? Yeah. Are you talking about Ulrich? Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't remember his name. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't remembering something in, incorrectly. No, no, no. And so. the other important thing in Skyrim is you play the last Dragonborn, who is known yes. as the Dovahkiin. And yes. so let's let's just tell me. Explain it to me so I'm I'm sure that you understand it. What is being dragonborn? Do you want to take that, Mel? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I guess. Um, so dragonborn, from from my knowledge, just within Skyrim, um, I haven't read much lore outside of it, so I'm going to profess with that. Is that you are a one that can kill dragons, but you can also absorb their souls and therefore and take on the abilities of certain dragons. Um, is there more to it than that, Blue? Yes. Yeah, so, I, I figure there is. Yeah, there's there's a Why little. Why don't you elaborate bit. on that? Um, okay. So a dragonborn is basically a mortal who has been blessed by Akatosh, who is the father of dragons and basically the chief of the nine divines or the eight divines in the one. Um, he is. Whoa, what? He, so Akatosh is the father of nine? dragons, the nine divines. Nine? They're not, well, there are eight divines and then Talos. So it's nine divines, but it's eight Adra and Talos because remember Talos was mm-hmm. a human who became nine. a God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're called the eight and one. It's, so it's just the nuance that ha- it's taken up in Cyrodiil. But a dragonborn has the, it's a blessing that they have an aptitude for the use of what's called the Thuum. And that mm-hmm. is the, so there's, there's a couple different aspects of the Thuum. There is the ability to absorb knowledges of these shouts because, um, so Elder Scrolls is a world steeped in magic. Right. Right. And there's different variations of magic. There's conjuration, there's alchemy, there's, you know, necromancy and stuff like this restoration. Correct. And each of these things have different um, rituals in which you use to summon the abilities to cause either harm or healing or whatever it is that you're using. Dragons actually as creatures of extreme magical potence, they're they're actual they actually don't need to do 
arbitrary rituals. They just speak. And their speech manifests in a display of power of magic, uh, magical energy. A dragonborn is basically a dragon that has been inserted into a mortal form because dragons are generally viewed as immortal. And so, but there's, there's a, there's a, there's a trick to it because they, because they're mortal, they don't know the magic, the way to commune, commune with the magical energies like a dragon, natural born dragon would. So they have to learn that. And in order to learn that, you have to they have to absorb that knowledge directly from the souls of dragons that they slay. So this this causes a bit of problem because that requires them to kill dragons to mm. gain power, which of course means that dragons hate and fear Dovahkiin's be the the yeah, because the removal of their soul kind of stems the ability to be immortal they die and they don't like them and so the um so the character that you play in skyrim is often called the last dragonborn which is opposed to the first dragonborn who was a, a a dragon it's a priest whose name was Merak, and he was actually put down when he tried to revolt against his masters in the Metheric age. So he was actually way, way, way at the beginning of this timeline, Maroc existed. And the importance of Maroc is actually, he comes back in one of the, the DLCs for Skyrim. It's a, I think the latest DLC actually. And so you actually, you actually have to do battle with him, but so I mean that's that's basically the Dragonborn. Um, there's a lot of the Septums were believed to be. I mean, Tiber Septum was a Dragonborn, um, and that's where you get the Amulet of Kings, which was a very prominent artifact inside of Oblivion and some of the other games. So um, yeah, that that would be that would be the prominent information about the Dragonborn. I mean, the the Skyrim, the people of Skyrim hold them very very highly and Mm -hmm. there's an entire uh religious order called the graybeards that kind of exist to they 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 value what's called the way of the voice which is basically a passing on of the knowledge of the thum but they're not necessarily i want to i don't remember if any i don't think the graybeards are actually dragonborn they're just I don't nervous. remember them being either. I think they but yeah. they know they know the knowledge and they can do like weak right. weak versions of the Thum. So but the important thing of the main character in Skyrim is that as the last dragonborn, you have been prophesized to defeat Alduin, who is, you know, this giant figure. And he's he's also called <clears throat> the World Eater. Now he is whereas most most of these more powerful immortal figures are kind of you know amoral which we've kind of talked about alduin is pretty malevolent like he he wants to yeah. just eat the world he 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 wants to nom nom the planet and because some men just want to see the world burn yeah he he views it that as that type uh, of thing yeah he uh, i don't know he he's kind of his his name I know I'm trying to figure out I remember his name was yeah his name is actually separated into Alduin which in in dragon dragonese I guess means destroyer devourer master 
so he proclaims that he's the firstborn of Akatosh, and he actually said, and he actually claims that he is the he is a manifestation and aspect of Akatosh. So he thinks that he is the second coming of Akatosh, basically. So yeah, Alduin is um, not a good person, and that's actually the ending. the The ending of Skyrim is you doing battle with Alduin after he takes on uh, Sovngarde, which is basically the equivalent of Valhalla in this world. So, so, so uh. think of Alduin as smog, but instead of gold, he wants everything, like the world. Right. Yeah. He's kind of like a, uh, I want to, I want to say it's Yigasmir from Norse mythology. Now you're that's, losing me. I don't know Norse mythology. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually, that's actually what I was going to say, Blue Yigasmir. Yeah. Is it yeah. Yigasmir? I think. Yeah. I think you're right. <clears throat> I'm looking it up right now. No. Uh, so I'm really intrigued by this one little thing Blue said, and he kind of glossed over it really quickly, and I kind of feel like it might have been on purpose. Nope, no. What is it? It's, uh, so, the dragons. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the 8 plus 1. Okay. So, the 8 plus 1 is, um, there are 8, hang on, let me pull them up. Because there. I've kind of got this dragon theory. Yeah, no, I I know you do. Um, <laughs> give me one second. So the eight plus one. While I'm looking this up, the eight plus one is a imperial uh, pantheon inside of. Come on, there we go. The eight plus one are eight Adra, and then the the raised human war god hero Talos. So imagine Talos as a Elder Scrolls variation of Hercules, right? You know, Hercules was a demi demigod who, through yeah. through his trials, he became he was able to become a god. That's Talos. Tyra Septum, um, you know he was responsible for the unification of Cyverdell and a lot of the imper- the height of the third era is from the septum dynasty and the septums come from, he is the first septum, the eight Adra there are, so there's eight of them and they are Akatosh, which is the dragon God of time. RK, who is the God of life and death. Dibella, the goddess of beauty. Julianos, who is the God of wisdom and logic. Kinnereth, who is the goddess of air, Mara, the goddess of love, Mara, yeah, Stindar, the god of mercy, and Zenithar, the god of work and commerce, who is the god of trade. So, the um, these these form the majority of the what's called the imperial pantheon. Now, the white gold concordat. Wants them to return to the eight divines, and this was uh, this was because again, remember the the Aldmeri Dominion, the third Aldmeri, Aldmeri Dominion, really didn't like mortals. Well, they don't want a human being revered as a god because that kind of goes against everything they stand for. So that was that's the entire basis of their saying: you do not worship Talos anymore. Which of course translates into a lot of Skyrim getting a little bit annoyed 
and saying, no, we're going to continue worshiping him. And so it's it, it, but so that, yeah. So that's, that's, that's when, when we say the eight plus one, the, um, that's the eight Adra and then the human God Talos. And so that's the nine divines. So I don't know if you're familiar, but I've got this dragon theory and it's from (laughs) destiny. So basically I find it very freaking weird, very freaking weird that dragons in this game are tied to the number nine because in Chinese mythology, dragons are intrinsic, are intrinsically linked to the number nine. Uh, Chinese dragons are always mentioned in terms of nine attributes, each of which um, consists of a mathematical problem that is a multiple of nine. And I can't remember all the numbers right now. It's like 113 scales, which is nine times something, and so on and so forth. So um, the number nine in Chinese mythology is synonymous with the dragon. And also, it is good luck. And uh, the Chinese emperor will always have nine dragons on his robes, and he'll actually hide one of them. He'll only ever show eight. Kind of the eight plus one. Hmm. Right. And so, before you go too far down the rabbit hole. No, no. The, uh, here. The nine, We're already down there. Right. Well, I'm home. I'm home. Yeah, I'm home. The the nine divine are the main gods. So just like any pantheon, these these gods have minor gods on top of that. That doesn't um, change my No, no, no. It doesn't it doesn't because a lot of the nine the nine are the predominant uh predominant what? deities within the, the empire. Now why does each the each, number nine keep coming up? That's my biggest question. Just like Justin. how Justin has an X file on the number nine. How does it keep coming up? Once was me. Twice was weird. <laughs> Three times across two games, seemingly across multiple platforms is just crazy. The truth is out there. Just got hunted. So I I'm mean, sorry. I, I sorry. Think- talks. Yes. I think we Go. actually managed to hit on everything that the chat covered. Um, the chat, the chat was pretty slow. I think mostly because of just you know we kind of talked about it at the beginning. We're we're used to having to get inventive to make connections. So the fact that this is all very well and documented and orchestrated out <laughs> was kind of I think daunting for a lot of people. Um, yeah. This reads a much more like a history lesson mm-hmm. than yes. like theorizing about religion or something where I feel like with Destiny Lore, we're kind of just, you know, oh, what about this and this, you know, and this crazy yeah. crap. And whereas this is kind of like in the sixth century, God created mine, yes. you know, <laughs> I'm much more at home when I can say whatever I want at any given time and not be wrong. <laughs> This well, is you know, bullshit. No, <laughs> I'm. You can take your nine and your dragons, yeah. and you can drop your mic. No, <laughs> no, no. Who writes a complete story? 
Who does that? Well, Bethesda? and again, and again, you know, <laughs> it's like we don't know how they're going to write Skyrim. I mean, that was like the whole thing with uh, Daggerfall was really confusing because <clears throat> Daggerfall, like I was saying, Daggerfall had five different endings and you only could pick one. So at the end of Daggerfall, when they when they came out with Morrowind, it was like, which one is going to be canon? And they kind of they that's when they introduced that warp of the West and kind of, you know, weaseled their way around. They mass affected it. And they said, oh, all of them are. And so it's it's interesting to me because, you know, it's written. It only seems like it's written in extreme detail because we're looking at it from the ending of the fifth game. I mean, this this thing has been spanning numerous years and, you know, numerous titles. I think, like I said, we're sitting at like 17 or 20. I mean, including DLCs alone, you got one, two, three. You know, you have what seven seven dlcs just in the main title and then if you include dlcs and just all the spin-offs that's another 12 hey, you're you're talking about 24 different games at that point and so 24 different games all of which have their own substantial amount of lore built into them as well as built out of them as you know as other sources start coming out you're going to have a tolkien-esque storyline Mm-hmm. So, and you hey. can't just like, you know, with Massive. I know we're talking about Mass Effect real quick. You like, you know, oh, we have ended a bunch of different storylines. We don't know which one's right, so we're just gonna go to a completely different galaxy now, and just forget all about that. Right? Like, yeah. You have a yeah. set area. You know, I, I always feel it's a little bit harder to keep. keep on on fantasy realms that are based in this type of fantasy instead of like fantasy like space fantasy mm-hmm. because you always have a very set world like you can't all of a sudden like oh well we just go into this other place that didn't exist before but it exists now so well and that's the crazy thing with with Elder Scrolls is like yeah I mean I exactly like there's a lot of fantasy games that are like oh yeah we conveniently have a spirit world Whereas Elder Scrolls, it's like, oh no, we've had that. We we mentioned that in the first game, actually. Yeah. We we've talked yeah. about this from day one, and yeah, oh but... now you have access to it, and oh yeah, all that stuff that we already explained. Here's what it actually looks like. But that's the power of classical fantasy, though. Right. That was the power of Tolkien. He did so much legwork. He laid out so much architecture beforehand. Right. No, no, no. He actually gave you the impression that there, that there's a fucking language already. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how can this not be real? There's already a language. There's manuscripts. Like, that's the kind of infrastructure I see that uh, that Elder Scrolls has built into it. And I really, I really dig that. I really dig that because they do that with pretty much all their titles. I mean, Fallout has very. Oh Jesus! You want to talk about (laughs) random? God, the day that we choose to do Fallout, I'm just gonna probably curl up in a ball because, like, I know, (laughs) I know my own. I know a fair share of Fallout, but I know the humorous aspects, which is basically them breaking the fourth wall and making fun of other games like i don't actually am not familiar with the actual like i know the storyline of fallout 3 and some of the fallout 2 but like yeah no that 
Oh, Fallout is pretty similar to this. I mean, it's not as extensive as this because Elder Scrolls no. has gone significantly longer than Fallout. But Fallout is getting to a point where it's you know it's getting pretty pretty robust lore wise as well. Oh, I love the lore in Fallout. It's so great. I read that's one I've actually gone through and read a lot of the lore from like the beginning of what happened, like and then the events leading up to what happened in Fallout that you know takes place in the games and stuff and all the different how certain races were created. And so again, that's another one. If you guys want to talk about that, I can do that. <laughs> so so we got Mel on for Borderlands and, and some Fallout. Fallout, yeah, yeah. And, and if you ever do like and the awoken, the awoken, and the awoken. Oh, my babies! Oh, my babies! <laughs> how's that? How's that Marasov coming? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which de- Mars? Oh, jeez! I oh god, let's not talk about Destiny costumes right now because yeah. I got a lot on my plate already, and I just sit there. I'm like, oh, oh my! So, I- but. Uh, yeah, do we want to wrap up this this wonderful? Yeah, let's, let's move into. You got any I'll shout actually, outs for us? Or let's sure. let's let Justin go first. I think he's got let some. just because he's going to die because he hasn't got to say anything for like the last two hours. Um, Wait, you no, were talking? I'm, I'm yeah. I said some stuff. <laughs> it was mostly about Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> yeah, close, close enough. It has elves and orcs and humans in it yeah. and dragons well, and you know and again we're we're predominantly destiny so this is yeah. this is a nod no. and the, well yeah justin go for it no i was just gonna say i was gonna talk about the fourth age and then blue tooks it from us um <laughs> but no no i was just gonna i was gonna lay a challenge out there to to mel yeah about if if you do if you will do a marasov cosplay yeah i i will do a full-on my awoken hunter cosplay you'll do it i'll do it but now now here's a challenge you're in texas i'm in nevada we will have to find a location in which both of them will exist at the same time and place and not create like you know a third dimensional warp drive game mechanic like a temporal, a temporal vortex is, I think, right. the, the term. That's the time travel term. One of us will have to become ascendant, so that way we can travel to the other one, right? No, no. I, I will literally, I will do, I will do my full on Awoken Hunter with the face paint and everything. Everything. If you'll do Marasov, yeah, everything. Oh. Okay. I'll make it happen. I won't wear raid gear because I, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna eat cattle bones and make armor. But but you have cattle um, bones. I probably that's what I've got. That's what I have access to. Anyways, moving on. That was your destiny bone for the night. You're welcome, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Yes, that was the destiny bone for tonight. (laughs) Okay, so I have a few shout outs. Yeah, yeah, I got some shout outs. I'm not going to have Blue read those for me as well. I'm going to read these for myself. Um (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to big shout out to Uni for being a great guest host on our Weapons of Sorrow episode and uh, Mel of course for being a great guest host this week and carrying me through Elder Scrolls that's awesome <laughs> um, big shout out to Guardian Radio who had our boy Blue on for some uh, some Destiny talk it was awesome um, 
just listening to it was awesome. And uh, also Bungie, big shout out. Uh, you know, keep the keep the Twitch streams coming. I love them. And I'm gonna pass it off to Mel. Oh geez, <laughs> shout outs. Um, well, thank you guys. I guess big shout out to Focus Fire Chat in general for having me back on to talk about about lore and hopefully we'll talk about some other subjects that i'm a little bit more versed in um but yeah so a big shout out to you guys um other shout outs just everyone in general for kind of just supporting me through the costuming stuff and uh, people who follow me online through multiple venues thank you guys and i hope you guys are enjoying um these guys at focus fire chat please check them out and read their not read but listen to their other podcasts because they're actually pretty awesome and if you love destiny Definitely, definitely check the rest of them out. Hey, Mel, where can we find you? Where can our oh, yeah, you could. T- sorry, I just, whew, it's getting late. Um, you guys can find me. Um, Wind of the Stars is the handle that I use pretty much anywhere. So you guys can find me through Wind of the Stars on Facebook. It's just Wind of the Stars cosplay. Uh, Wind of the Stars on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, everything along those lines. Pretty much if you Google Wind of the Stars, you will be able to find me. So, um, and those of you who are interested, I am a, I'm a PS4 girl. I'm not a, a Xbox One. I'm sorry. I can focus fire chat is our nobody's, nobody's perfect sorry so <laughs> no but, actually um, actually uh i did just check out your your website for the first time freaking amazing so oh, thank you <laughs> definitely check that out definitely check that out www.windofthestars.com did i get that right yes you did yeah a plus a plus for justin yeah and be sure and uh tweet mel on the marasov challenge oh geez if if you would like to see me dressed like an awoken male hunter well i'm already ahead of you on this because i already have the face paint and the wig from marasov because i was going to make it like two years ago a year ago when vanilla came out mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah i think you may underestimate how long i've been planning like doing my hunter cosplay. Well, you do realize I, I have a hunter that I'm already working on right now, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. No, I think you no. might beat yes. me. Yes. I think this no. might be your realm. I think this might be your realm. I think you might beat me, but I still. Think you know, I think your light level is maybe light level five, and I'm like <laughs> 320 over here. So um, we got my, a little bit of an issue. I'll, I'll let you level up. I'll let you play some first crucible. Of all, it's, first it's of all, next. you can't. It, if you can't beat me in cosplay, it would be oh, a problem. Oh, 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 okay. If I couldn't. It would be a problem for both Your of problem. us. Hey, maybe you have a... Justin a, needs to a, take a, a reevaluation of his job. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, well, apparently I need to do cosplay now because I just... I know. Yeah, it's your true, I'm one just, true calling. There you amazing go. Amazing. Going over these photos and stuff, I'm like, man, dude, this is just... This is amazing. Um, <laughs> Your stuff is really is really good. It's really oh, amazing. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Blue, do you have uh, final yeah. shoutouts? Blue doesn't get shoutouts. Yeah, he yeah. Do I'm not I'm not allowed to do shoutouts, but I can do announcements. We have obviously an Elder Scrolls chat going in the lore band, and we have created a mind map with all this information and actually a significant amount more on it it's it's a pretty massive mind map even now and so what i'm actually going to say is you know if you're listening to this episode if you you know manage to get through it without wanting to kill me for bludgeoning you in the face with all this information let us know 
and jump into that chat and will and help us start building this map out because I'm really kind of excited about seeing where this map can go and just seeing all the interconnections that we already have and seeing what other people can make of it. And it's just a really cool process. And it also kind of, there's already a couple people who are working really hard on it and I want to help them get this thing kind of rolling. Plus it's just really fun to kind of diversify our chats. And I like seeing the other chats get the attention that they deserve. So there's that. And then on a less serious note, um, we're doing a stream tomorrow. We're going to start doing this. I think we decided that we're going to do it. We're going to try to do it every last Thursday of every month. Justin, was that what we decided? Yes. Okay. We're going to be doing a stream, which you'll notice if you jump onto our Twitch stream, it has been flagged as mature. We are not making our podcast mature. It is actually more for our game streams because as first person shooter games, it can get a little sweaty sometimes in here. And then we're also going to start doing this thing called Guardians Against Humanity. Now, the basis of Guardians Against Humanity came about as a version of the uh, Gift of Gaming stream that we did with the Dads of Destiny. So tomorrow we're going to be streaming on the Dads of Destiny's Twitch channel. And it's going to be at 10 p.m. So if you're listening to this and it's Thursday and it hasn't already happened, be sure to jump in because it's going to be hilarious if the first version was anything to go off of but what we do is we take cards against humanity we shuffle up the deck and we play cards against humanity with the with a full fire team while we're playing crucible and we involve the chat and basically it's a game of we vote and we just see what combination of cards we can come up with we had a blast doing it and i think we ran three hours anyways it was it was this this came about as a result of sleep deprivation and a bit of liquid courage, and it was so much fun that we're going to do it again. So, and then we're going to do it again every month. So we're going to start. That's going to start tomorrow. So if you're interested in that, be sure to jump over, jump over onto that. And with that, we're going to begin to wrap the chat up. Um, thank you again to those of you in the chat for coming by to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again to Mel for spending your evening with us. We hope to get you back on here as soon as possible. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. And please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or topics that you'd like to see us tackle in our new YouTube videos that we're still in the process of putting together, Lore 101 series and Justin's Spinfoil Corner. We're going to try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we do have any variations, we always will try to make sure that everyone knows through our Twitter account, which is at focusfirechat. So, until next time, the Lore Band marches on.